Trust leads to transformation. Earlier this week, I was able to get coffee with one of my brother seminarians, and he was recounting for me his journey uh, from the world into uh, the, the discernment of the priesthood. And he told me that as he had begun in college as a church-going, at least on Sunday, Catholic, he sort of failed to live out those beliefs that he held. In fact, he became the president of his fraternity, and he said that though he believed most of what the church taught, uh, his actions seemed to differ uh, quite a bit, so much so that he preferred that no one know he was a Catholic, though he might bring up those conversations once in a while. But at the end of his conversation, this, this monologue on uh, his growth in the life of faith, he commented that looking back, I'm almost a different man. Because we know that faith and belief must be expressed in what I say and in what I do. And that uh, it's more, that the more I trust, whether it be with our, with our children, uh, with our careers, even with our kitchen renovations, the more I trust, the more I am transformed to the point to where we can actually say, I'm almost a different man, a different woman. With that refrain, let's, let's think back on that story, that final story of Abraham in the book of Genesis, because he was called, and he would probably say just as much as my brother seminarian, that he grew immensely, that he was transformed. Because after he was called, he followed after the Lord in some ways, leaving his home, the comfort of his, uh, his, of his father and family, to go to a different land, eventually uh, ending up in, in Canaan. But along the way, he failed multiple times to trust in God Almighty, failing his wife multiple times, and failing principally when he gave in to the temptation to trust in himself and the servant of Sarah, having his child Ishmael, his first son. But these failures were actually just occasions for faith, because even though he failed, there was a Lord who was there to catch him, to bring him back up. So his failure became op opportunities to believe, to trust, to have faith a deep faith in God's providence. And what do we mean when we say providence? It's like when a child says to their parent, though I do not know where you are leading me, maybe by the hand, I know that it is good, and so I will follow. I will hold on. I do not know where you are leading me, but I know that it is good, so I must follow. By the time of that call to sacrifice his beloved son Isaac, Abraham could claim that he was almost a different man. Those failures and those opportunities to believe, to trust in God, they changed him, transformed him. So let's enter that story, that sacrifice, with all its terror. He was called, and when he was called, he acted immediately gathering his son, gathering his servants, gathering supplies. You can imagine him wrapping the rope around his arm, the same rope he would use to bind his very son. You can imagine him splitting the wood which would be piled onto Isaac's back to carry up that mountain, and even lighting the torch knowing that this 
would be what would light the Holocaust sacrifice. There's another detail that often gets uh, overlooked. The trip itself was about 60 miles up to where Jerusalem would be present day. And that trip would have been three whole days. We skip over any conversation they would have had because apparently there was no conversation. There was just a silence. And I think the Lord actually wants us to enter into that silence between father and son and servants. They didn't have words. They probably knew what was to come. They didn't want to admit it and they didn't want to talk about it. And so we're thrown into the the singular words of Isaac to his father. The almost silly words. Father, are you getting so old that you forgot the sacrifice, the reason we're leaving? And, And the uncertain response of his father. No, son, the Lord himself will provide the sacrifice. We can almost imagine the beads of sweat and the hidden tears that Abraham's trying to wipe away before his son comes to realize what's to happen. And when we get to the top of that mountain, maybe the son Isaac actually helping his father up the mountain, Abraham would have been over 100, and Isaac, doing the math, was actually in his 30s. This wasn't just uh, a child um, running away from a sacrifice. It was a son willing it, maybe actually helping his dad to bind his own feet. Because Isaac had a trust like his father's. He trusted in his dad. He trusted in his father's God. We can almost imagine Isaac saying to his dad, I trust you, dad. Do what you need to reassuring his father of what he was to do. But right when he was about to wield the knife into regret, God the Father stops him. With the true father's heart, he pulls him back. Now, there's a few explanations to the story, and I don't intend to actually give you the full answer because I don't think we'll get that fully in this life. We could think that this is simply a test of his faith because the scriptures seem to say as much. We could think that this is to to show Abraham that his love for God must be more important than his love for his very son. And that is also true. Or even more uh, radically, we can imagine that both Abraham and Isaac believed that God was so powerful that he could raise the dead back to life. And so Abraham wasn't killing his son for good but simply doing something regretful and waiting for the Lord to act. But none of these really are sufficient to our demands. We end with maybe maybe just the understanding that this sacrifice is simply foreshadowing, appointing to the far greater sacrifice of a father and his son, A son who, like that ram caught in the thicket, caught in the thorns, was also caught up and crowned with thorns. A son who, along the way, would carry the wood up the mountain so that he might be slaughtered. He who would become like a lamb, silent and given 
so that many might have life. This is the lamb that is transfigured, that is brought down to us here so that we might receive him, so that when our trust has been tried, we might reach that Easter transformed, saying to ourselves and saying to our God, we're almost different people. I'm almost a different man. Our spiritual exercise this week is to take another antiphon, Jesus, I trust in you. This might be very familiar to most of us, but this is the antiphon of the anxious, of the despairing, of the prideful, the fearful, of the weak. This is the antiphon of the Christian. Jesus, I trust in you.